every freaking second of the day, I'm going to do it. Everybody wants to be mother freaking wealthy. Are you willing to adapt? Are you willing to change? How uncomfortable are you willing to get? How willing are you going to be to allow me to help you? This is a marathon, not a sprint. You give up your right to be average and ordinary. You gotta show up earlier, you gotta be here later, you gotta hit harder, be more productive, be more focused. If you don't see it that way, you will fail at it. You guys have been the pillar and the backbone of Planet First Life now for quite some time. Keep growing. Uh, welcome to our base camp. Today we have a special guest, our CEO, Sean Mike. We're gracious that uh, Sean gave us some time today. Um, how you doing, sir? I'm freaking amazing, Jimmy. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for asking. So we're just going to get to it. Uh, a few things, though. Don't forget, let's all sign up for conference. Very important that we're all there. Uh, get around like-minded people, speaking insurance, talking insurance, walking it. It's very important. If you haven't donated to Dream Center for the front row seats, let's get on that. Um, it's a great cause. They do a wonderful thing. Something I want to talk to Sean about on the side note, I have a really good friend that does um, uh, things for rehab and ketamine treatments, and I'd like to get in with Doctor with uh, Pastor Matthew because I think there could be some help there and really help some people. His name is Dr. Jonathan Edwards, and I'd love for him to do your podcast on a side uh, note. Yeah, Jimmy, anything for you. All you got to do is tell me who you want on and tell me when you want them on, and they're scheduled. Done. So let's get to it. So, Sean, um, you have this crazy knack at making people perform. Um, when did you realize you had that superpower? Because I know you, like— put a little bit of touch on me July 18th of 2023. And from that day forward, um, I was like, F this man, like I, I can do better. And I just kicked it up a notch. I, I helped 17 families last week and moving forward, it's just been a, a magic ride. So how, when did you realize you had that power? You know, I don't know that it's a, that it's a power to be honest with you, Jimmy, I'll be straight up with you. I, um, I think that, one of the things I realized I was really hard on myself and I am, and I can be hard on, on, on other people too, only because I want to see that, that kind of that level of success. But, you know, I, um, what I think is magical or what I think works, Jimmy, is when people know, I always tell people when you're building a business, you're leading a team, you're trying to inspire, whether you're coaching, you're a therapist, you're somebody, social worker, you're in business, you're a leader, the currency, dude, is your work ethic and love. Like, do you actually want them to win? Do I have like Jimmy? When I see when I saw you that day at that boot camp, there was nothing but I love this dude. He's a good human being. He's not performing the way that he can perform. His family deserves more. He's not twenty one. Like I'm fifty one years old, bro. Like you're not twenty one, and he doesn't have forever. Like what I was frustrated for you. And then I take the the things, a lot of people always want to be constructively critical and people will say to me, man, you're really hard on people. I'm like, it's funny because I'm really, I find something to love on them about and get them to believe in themselves. And then yes, I can be direct about it. You know, find shrinks I didn't think they have. And, you know, Jimmy, I think for me, what's magical is when somebody believes in you, the things that you'll do. And subsequently, if nobody believes in you, how little you can accomplish. So I, I really think that for me, I stay laser focused on trying to find those things in people. 
And I get frustrated for people, man, because I see how amazing, like, congratulations on the 17 families. Dude, you can you can do whatever you want every week with this business, which just like all of y'all can, you know? And I think that the, the struggle for me is when people say they want a different result, but they don't put any kind of different emotion or, or investment or any work into it, or they don't get uncomfortable. I mean, at the end of the day, Jimmy, if I want you to get uncomfortable, I have to believe in you. If I'm going to challenge you and you're going to believe in me, then I have to bring something to the table because then I'm going to ask you like, hey, go buy some leads, which means you have to believe in you to be successful. Why would I not help build you up so you believe in you to be more successful? So, Jimmy, when I see what I see in everybody is the it's like a, a, a clean slate. And I think a lot of us are looking for I got I had this analogy the other day. I was at the national championship game with Zach Rowski, Frankie Femi in this in this young man who played for the University of Washington. And I said, tell me your story. You know, we brought him the game. He's on Zach Krawski's team. He's doing great things. Jim. And he said, I was, I was a walk-on. And really, for those of you who don't know, when, when you go to Division I school, if you've not been given a scholarship, yet they give you a preferred walk-on, your walk-on, you are on the team. You made the team, but you ain't getting nothing paid for. And you have to earn your scholarship. You may never earn it, but you have to earn it you know, and he was a, a walk on. His mom was broke. So, and I said, dude, that's what most of the people that work with us are walk ons. Most of us did not come from a boatload of money. We were not anointed to be the next greatest thing in the world. Maybe people didn't teach us how to be successful, but it makes us dangerous. Like I was dangerous in the business because I had nothing to lose. And as of today, which will sound crazy to you, I still ain't got nothing to lose. And meaning if I do the best I can on a daily basis and, and work as hard as I can, like who cares? So Jimmy, I think I noticed that most of us are walk-ons yet. We have a lot of mother freaking ability. And the beautiful thing about business is business doesn't discriminate. If you're doing well in this business, cause you worked hard and you have a good attitude, you've learned some things along the way, you're teachable, coachable. If you're not succeeding, it's cause you're choosing not to. I don't have any magic. If anybody that works at FFL tells you that they're magical in any way, if anybody that works at FFL says they're doing something you can't do, they're a complete lying sack of shit. I believe that. So It's a fact. I believe that. But I do think you do things. So <clears throat> looking, I was obviously Andrew Taylor's my, my nephew, and you saw something in him, and you took him for a magical carpet ride, right? I mean, you said, look, you're a hard worker. You get this. Let's build this thing. And I've never seen someone as generous as you that has owned a company and has let everybody eat at the table or build their own table to eat off of. I really haven't. I mean, that's something that a lot of companies are like, yeah, you can make to this much, but then after that point, you're not making any more. You've never done that. You've always delivered on your promises. And I was just wondering, do you think in today's climate, could you replicate what you did 12 years ago? and start a company from scratch and blow up like you did with FFL? You know, man, I think because of the principles, and I appreciate you saying all that. First of all, Andrew's really smart. And I don't know that he believed he was really <laughs> smart. And I'm not trying to be funny. Like, he's smart. Like, yes. you start talking to me, you're like, he's really smart. So why don't I continue to say to him all the time how smart he is? And actually, I probably think, no offense, I probably think he's smarter than he is. Like, he's smart, but also professional athletes think they're better than they are. 
So I always wanted to talk business acumen into him before he even got it. He took himself a ride. I was on the carpet. Sometimes it was up. Sometimes it was down. It was quite a ride. But for me, you know, Jimmy, I learned from a guy a long time ago who was very successful in business. And I've taken, I pay attention when people say stuff. What I do that might be different than you, if you're better at something than me right now, I listen to everything you have to say. I may not do it all, but I'm listening to everything you have to say. If you don't, if you're not doing better than me, I'm also listening to nothing you have to say. <laughs> and I'm not trying to mean, I'm just, I'm not mad. I'm just kind of like, why am I going to let you speak into my life about what you need to do better? It's like, uh, you know, it's like a guy getting up on stage and asking me to give out relationship advice. Like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, I'm married twice to the same woman, divorced twice to the same woman. Like, that would be weird. Like, but I don't want to pretend to be something I'm not either. Like, that's uncomfortable right. for people. Right. But if you want to know how to scale a business. So, yes, I think our thought process, Jimmy, is the same as it was then. And it's hard sometimes because I will actually, dude, I've always made every decision that I thought was best for client, best for agent, didn't harm the company. And in fairness, I probably went too far years ago, because when you go too far, you have to overcorrect. Because I was always like, let's make sure the agents are doing good. Let's make sure the clients are doing good. You're like, well, that's not hurting the company. I'm like, or I'd say it's not hurting the company. And somebody else would go, look, here's the numbers. This could hurt the company. And I'm like, no, no, but it won't. I think we could scale it again today if we started. I think as long as we keep, because what do most people, actually, I think we're hitting a, a this bump right now where people are tired of the company they work at keeping everything from them. You know, I was talking to a guy in the timeshare business yesterday and I said, he said, can you believe they changed my benefits? I said, yeah, can you believe they didn't? You all were acquired by a really large company and that large company did not like the amount of money you were making. So, you know, Jimmy, if you set something up where everybody can go have the success they want and one of my badges of honor early on, and this is a fact, you can pull everybody's tax returns. You can pull these guys' tax returns and my tax returns. There were people at the company early on, Mark, Andrew, a lot of them <laughs> that made more money than me. I know. And I run the company. But, and there was a lot of them. There were producers that were making more money than me. But you know what? I knew that as long as we had the right foundation and we were giving back, people would want to be in business with us, with me, with Family First Life. And we'd be able to scale it because the single biggest weakness I saw, Jimmy, in the industry over the last 40, 50, 60 years is companies would be built and then guys would just like, I don't, everybody wanted to move on. They'd quit. They'd leave the industry. They'd go somewhere else. Nobody could keep anybody together. And then I would start asking, what's the common denominator? And what most people thought was, I can never achieve what they're achieving. I don't say this much, not because I have anything to hide, but Andrew and I used to work at a company together. Somebody asked me the other day, when was the day you knew you were going to quit? I was at a meeting in Burlington, North Carolina. And there were a bunch of cars in there where each were each worth. I'm not a car guy. Like, I don't know a lot about them, what their value is. And they're each worth 253 Lamborghini this, you know, Ferrari this. And I pulled an executive aside from the company. And I said, hey, man, if I work like crazy and do everything you asked me to do here, can I ever attain like any real wealth? Like, I don't need to buy these. Can I ever buy one car like this? And he looked me in the eyes and said, no, this system is set up for the guy in charge. He wasn't in charge. He was an executive. The owner makes, keeps way too much of your money. You'll never get ahead. And at that moment in time, I'm like, I don't know when, but I'm quitting. Because I never wanted to feel like no matter what I did, I couldn't get any further along. So I think the system works, Jimmy. And, and I think what I've learned to do, and it's been hard, is know that the only thing in your business that's inevitable is change. and 
you know, sometimes it, it's been a, a bumpy ride. It's been a lot of fun. But as long as people know I'm trying to do the best I can for them and I'm working hard, the rest of the stuff, dude, life is pretty good. So, yeah, it's been, I mean, think about it. We're going to, we'll do a billion dollars in 2024. The question you have to ask yourself is what part of that will you be? And maybe you started today. Maybe you're like, hey, man, I'm starting today. Okay, cool. Well, can you sell 30, 40 grand a month? You could. What holds most people back from selling at a high rate? Buying leads. <laughs> I'm just, there's really no other magic. Steven Giordano is the number one producer for four years in a row. Steven Giordano has the highest lead bill four years in a row. Steven Giordano issues $100,000 every month like clockwork. Steven Giordano spends $15,000 a month on leads on every single month like clockwork. That's $180,000 a year. He issued $1.4 million. So if you go, well, wait a minute, cost him $180,000. Guys, you're, you're following me. He's keeping over $900,000. You can do it. Now, did it take some courage for him early on to invest that kind of money in leads? He didn't. He did not invest fifteen thousand dollars a month right away. Right. But when other people were buying a hundred or two or three hundred on occasion, he said, "Give me two k a week." Right away, boom! Give me eight grand a month. And I'm like, "Why?" It's like there's no way in the world I can't sell sixteen policies, and I'll make good money if I do that with that many leads. Um, you can't limp in. Uh, I'm an all in kind of guy, you know, and I think. You know, I was at a, we're at a restaurant yesterday and the guy said, there's a dress code. You're not dressed appropriately. And I said, cool. Sounds good. Um, I'm eating here either way. Uh, who's going to remove me from the restaurant? Very nicely. Not mean. Didn't raise my voice. And I said, bud, you have to understand the dress code's only as good as somebody to, that's able to enforce it. You're not going to call the police. You're not going to call security. And you and none of these guys can physically remove me. I say that because Jimmy... The rules you put in place for yourself are only as good as you enforcing them. Will you enforce those rules? If you say to yourself, when I told myself I was going to buy $1,000 a week in leads every week, Jimmy, every freaking week when I started, I had $700 in my name. I had a Capital One credit card. If any of you had, I had bad credit. It was capped at $1,500. It started at $500. I had probably $1,200 on it. Boom, Capital One. And for a while, I was just paying my lead bill and just trying to, but I knew that eventually I would get ahead. So, you know, Jimmy, I, I really think that we could. I think our fundamentals are sound. And I think we've done things recently that have allowed us to position ourselves for a very long time with minimal change, with what we've done with standardizing and everything, what we've done opening the pool, uh, the bonus money to everybody. So now it's like, it's it's here's the four and a half percent of what we make in the month. We all grow together. No matter how long you've been around, you can get paid really, really well. So, you know, and Jimmy, it's we find people like you and the men and women that are on here. I mean, I think that's the other thing for people is, you know, you're on, we're on it, we're a team. And a guy called me last night, he's like, why would you do all that for me? Like I had a problem and you know, you fixed it. And I actually called the client for him, literally called the client for him because the client was trying to cause a problem for him and he didn't do nothing. And I'm like, dude, I made that, might, they might get mad at me probably for calling and getting involved in it. But I'm like, hey, what's up, man? Let's talk. Like, like what's the deal? Because this guy's thinking he's going to get in a bunch of trouble. He ain't doing it wrong. And he's like, why would you do that? I'm like, because you work with this guy and you're all on my team. Like, we all work together. So I think, Jim, if we th keep those principles, yeah, we could take it. The question is, can we get to two, three, four, five, seven billion a year 
in the next decade. And, and I believe we can. And I think a lot of people here can do really, really well for their families. And to your point, build a business that they own 100% of and eventually exit if they choose to do that and get money in stock or just keep it forever and make a bunch of money. Yeah, I love it. So <clears throat> when did you know life insurance was the industry for you? When did you, when, when did that light bulb? Cause I know, you know, you're a social worker, you, um, you, you were in real estate, you, you had ups and downs like a yo-yo with that. And then boom, yeah. you said life insurance. Why? I, How? Yeah. Great question. I was about 90 days in the business. And to be honest with you, when I found the business, I didn't think it was the business for me forever. I thought it was a good way to make some extra money. I liked selling. I kept my job as a social worker. I'm 90 days into the business. I had some agents, like we're moving, and I'm, and I'm excited, but I was excited when I started real estate. I went out to a house on South Chestnut Street in Warwegan, Connecticut. If you've never been there, if you know, you know. It's a it's a, it's a a little town that you don't want to be in. It's got three streets, four package stores, and 112 guns. You don't want to go there. You don't <laughs> want to live there. I knock on I knock on his door. Lisa opens it up. I know it's Lisa. I remember it's Lisa because my ex-wife is Lisa. I was married twice to her, so I don't forget that name. Okay. She lives nine minutes from me in case you want to know over my house for Christmas. I have the bizarre world at my house. And so so Lisa opens the door and she says to me, um, I said, Hey, I door knocked her, no appointment. And I said, Hey, I'm here for our appointment, which is what I typically did. I'd write a time on the form and say, I'm here for the appointment. They look at me like I was crazy. I'd be like, Yeah, dispatch has me here today at three. And I just showed it to her. And then she's like, I don't, maybe, I don't think I did that. I was like, she goes, but before you come in, I want to be up front with you. I have stage four pancreatic cancer, 31 years old. She said, I have like literally a couple months to live. Can you help me? And I said, uh, no, we didn't even have any guarantee issue then. And she wasn't going to make it a few months. I don't sell people stuff to sell it to them. If I can help you, I help you. If I can, I can. I, you know, I'll get a referral from you. We start talking. She's super nice. A couple young kids. They're in school. Husband comes walking around the corner. Big old dude cut like a Harley cut ponytail why he had to, you know, shirt sleeves, cut off his shirt, starts cussing me out. I realize he's just angry. I'm chill. I'm nice to him. Long story short, we have a very entertaining 45 minute interaction. At the end of it, I write him a policy for a quarter million dollars return to premium America. He says he wants to pay it in three weeks. I said, I'm not allowed to do that. He starts giving me shit again. I'm not going to feel good the entire time. Tell him he should be in WWE telling him that, you know, he doesn't need a, a guard dog because he's so big and bad. Because most guys that cut their sleeves off, they want you to tell them they're bad. I mean, that seemed a pretty simple rule. So I just told him how badass he was. Anyway, I wrote him. And two days later, he died in a motorcycle accident. And delivered a $250,000 check to her. She died a couple months later. And the only money the kids ever got was that. And at that moment in time, Jimmy, I didn't know that I was going to build a massive agency. But I was like, I was brought to this business for a reason. I love it. I had never experienced something like that. When I was a social worker, I did some pretty powerful things, but I saw some really awful things as a social worker. So like you miss on a case as a social worker, a child can die. And, and it was, I did it 14 years, man. It was a run. So at that moment, um, when I knew it was the business for me, Jimmy, really, honestly, not until we launched Family First Life. Like when Andrew Taylor was asking me if, if he was at the beginning, if he was asking me if I believed in what we were doing, Jimmy, I told him I did. Did I? I don't know. 2080? 3070? I, I really didn't know because I didn't know. I knew that we had good fundamentals. I didn't know if we would make it. Um, and when we were about nine months into this thing, and I finally started to see like a light, and then more carriers were calling and wanting to do business with us. Um, there was something that just went off by right? this piece of like, you know what, this is going to be okay. 
and I didn't know how massive it would be. It's going to be okay. The second year when all the carriers were beating down our door after the first year and a half, I was like, we're going to be, we'll do more in this business than anybody's ever done their entire lives. Like nobody will ever catch up to us. So those are probably the phases. The first death claim changed my life. Um, And I tell people all the time, what I didn't know then is what I know now. I liked real estate. I liked waste management. I was other business. I love life insurance. So find something you love to do, right? And then I, you know, Jimmy, you going from the volume you were doing before, which was nothing because I love you, but for the love of God, to all the volume you're doing now. (laughs) is amazing. Right. And that's what I'm addicted to because I'm not in the field. So that's like, that's my addiction right now. Like what if Jimmy goes does a million dollars a month? Wouldn't that be cool for the company? He's such a good dude. Couldn't we get more people to go to that? What if Jimmy could capitalize, monetize and sell his deal? And, um, you know, I tell people all the time, you want to run a big business, dude, it's going to come with your lumps. It can be lonely at times and you'll probably know you're doing it right. Cause Jimmy, when you start with six, seven people, you all become really close. And then all of a sudden, you have to have conversation with them that are harder. Why are you not buying leads? Why won't you believe in yourself? And you kind of have to have that appropriate distance where you're managing a business. You still love and care for them. But hey, dude, like I, I now need to help you. And I think that there's a there's a balancing act there, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So um, if you're a new agent, how would you split up your week with recruiting and with selling? And then with dealing with um, the admin part, right? Because I remember you told me, I only did admin on Wednesdays. That's it. If it something came in on Thursday, they had to wait till next Wednesday. I was not getting out of the field. So I think it's important for the agents to understand, like from someone like you, how do we, how do we break our week up? First of all, I think the, the biggest mistake most people make, Jimmy, all of you on this call right now, you need to eat. <laughs> your families need to eat. You need to get paid. The gas in your business is, is money. Your currency is your work ethic to gain money. You're in a sales position, which gives you sweat equity, your work, where you can go make a bunch of money. Your recruiting needs to come after your sales. You need to figure out what you got to sell a week, and that is everything you do at that moment in time. When you're when you have kids, you do everything you got to do for that, right? And then everything else, like you you to take care of your family. If it's just you, if it's family, if it's friends, you need to go work and sell whatever that number is. Now, Jimmy has got everybody's got to figure that out. So for me now, and also let me be clear, recruiting to me, dude, I was just messaging people and calling them up and asking them to make some extra money outside of what they're currently doing now. I didn't make it some long process. If Andrew Taylor taught you back in the day, probably took him 25 minutes to explain. I was like, hey, Jimmy, I got leads. You want to sell some freaking life insurance, thousand bucks a pop in a round. What do you want to do? Like, that's kind of how I recruited, dude. And I'm not trying to be funny, but I wasn't, I didn't waste a lot of time. And then I put you to something, a little quick video or I do a call or whatever. But do not, because what most people do is they'll say, I'm having a hard time balancing. Now, why? Because selling is work. Getting on the phone, calling leads, you got to deal with people saying no. And if that's the worst thing that's happening today, get on your hands and knees and thank God. You got a great life. Yeah. You're going to have to work, right? You're going to make sacrifices. Recruiting isn't really work. It's just bullshitting with people. Mm-hmm. So what do most people do? They run to what's comfortable. Like, I don't actually want to get up five o'clock in the morning to work out, to be honest with you. Like, I don't get up and go like, this is the greatest effing thing in the history. Of- I want to take a <laughs> pill that makes me in good shape right. and makes me not have to work out. That's what I prefer to do. I'd sleep in a little bit. I go to something else, read a book, hang out. I, I'd much, but there isn't one. I don't have one. I've never seen one. So please sell first. Sell, sell, sell. 
and you ain't got no business wasting time trying to pretend you're recruiting when you're not selling, what are you going to do anyway when they get going? You don't have any money. And then the ultimate, to your question earlier, Jim, what I realized is this industry was very fragile. It was a bunch of middle managers who didn't sell anything, who needed the override. And I was like, wait a minute, what if at Family First Life, people sell life insurance, make money for themselves, and then they don't need anybody? I never want anybody to believe I needed them. And that just comes from my own trauma, my own BS, and my own trust issues. I don't want anybody to think I need. I'm sorry. But in the reality is I love y'all. I need God. Y'all show up to the fight. Great. You know, I'm fighting either way. You show up or not, dude. Somebody getting <laughs> smacked around. I don't care if y'all show up or not. I'm in. Your fight right now is your personal production. If you lose that fight, you will lose the war. And and, and I, I think what scares me for people is they, they skip that part, Jimmy. Admin stuff, let's be honest, man. There isn't a lot. Like, let's, you ever read a book called The One Minute Manager, Jimmy? Two minute, yeah. <clears throat> Y'all should, Ken Blanchard, good book. He wrote another one I read the other day. You have to understand that at the end of the day, is it, did you say two minute? Is it one minute or two minutes? It's two minute. Is it two minute? Did I rename it one minute manager? No, I think there's two versions of it. There's the one minute and the two minute, but basically. One, hey, one minute's got to be better. She only takes one minute, right? Exactly. So two minute. Exactly. One minute manager, I think is what I read. <laughs> okay. But it, but I could be wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of things, but I started really thinking about my ability to take something that was worth 30 seconds of my time and give it 15 seconds. And most people take what's worth 30 seconds, and give it 12 minutes. How much of your time during day you waste? If I were to ask each one of you yesterday to chronicle your time from when you got up, went to work until you were done working and document everything you did and then take out the things that were a waste of time, the conversations, the things you watched, TikTok, your phone, who you spoke to, Go sell first. I still believe to this day, 10K a week. I think you submit $10,000 a week. I just think that's a recipe to success. You submit $10,000 a week every week. You submit 40. You may not be that great early on. You're issuing 28, 29, 30. Life is good. You'll at least start moving in that direction. Um, Administrative work, the reason I said about Wednesdays, Jimmy, you know what I found? Most stuff wasn't that important. Somebody's like, you better do this on Monday. I'm like, dude, it's just an email. Relax. Relax. And I don't do emotional emails or, or or text messages either. Phone calls are really easy, Jimmy. You don't get bogged down. So it's like, you know, and again, I had no problem learning. This is the most magical thing you can learn today. What's up? Yeah, what? No, what's up? What is up means what do you need? What do you want? Why are you calling? How can I mother effing help you? That's how you should talk to everybody outside of your children. You're married, don't do that because that probably doesn't work. I don't know, but I'm thinking it probably doesn't work. No. But you have to, yeah, you have to decide to take control of your schedule. Because Jimmy, what I'm seeing right now, I was at a meeting last week with the guy, and most everybody sells 12, 14, 15 grand a month. He said, We're consistent. I said, You're consistently broke. And everybody got quiet. And I said, I'm going to open up a company down here in Tampa. You're going to love it. It's a repo deal. I'm going to get three records. And all those cars y'all bought, I'm going to pick them up. I'm just going to park in the parking lot. Like, I don't even have to do anything. I put you in the parking lot. You hook the cars up. We take them back. We get paid because you won't be able to make the payments. You have to be honest with yourself. If you're doing this full time, act like it. 
If you're afraid to buy leads, I love y'all. We're all friends, right, Jimmy? Are we friends with everybody here? Yep, sure. Absolutely. Grow up. Grow, grow, grow up. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but grow up. Like, seriously, have some respect for yourself. You a $1,000 a lead, you can't write a policy. Dude, I'm not trying to be funny, but seriously, have some respect. You're too good. You're too good to be that fearful. You're too freaking good to go, well, what if I don't make it? What, two sales and one cancels? Dude, if you can't make two sales out of $1,000 in leads, don't drive your car in public. You're not qualified to do that either. And I say that not to be funny. It means you're not trying. I've been there. When I've not had that result, it's like I didn't work. I was preoccupied. My mind wasn't right. I wasn't like we you, you believe in you. Y'all really good people. I don't know everybody that's on here. I can't even tell how many are on here, but 61 of you, you're probably all badass people. You probably got better anger management control than me. You're probably less volatile than I am. You're much less apt to say something stupid. And I run the entire company. You have great skill sets, but you have to believe in you. I believe in me. I believe in you. Jimmy, I believe in you. I believe you build an organization to do a million dollars a month. I believe that you raise your game relative to people that are around you, and you have to have the right environment. You ever met Marco Conde, Jimmy? No, I haven't. Okay, he's very mild-mannered. We did a meeting last week. He's up there cussing. I pull him aside afterwards. I'm like, hey, bro, first of all, I ain't judging nobody because I've cussed more than anybody in the history of the world, and I'm trying to get better at it. But he's like, man, I was just – everybody was so – he just – it was so aggressive in tone that he wanted to – and I'm like, well, dude, I still need you to beat you. Please be you. But, Jimmy, if your tone in the office is production, hard work, effectiveness, and that's what people will assimilate to, but if it's also mediocrity, I'll buy some leads on occasion. I'll go to the office when I feel like it. There is not a better business. Yeah, it makes sense. I've tried them all. There's nothing. And every day that I wake up, and I was talking to a guy yesterday about AI. And he's like, does it make you nervous? I go, no, I'm in service-related businesses, dude. I don't, no, no, they're not going to, they ain't replacing me. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, dude, what's it going to look like in three or four or five years? You're going to have to be independent. And sales is still, as last I checked, the highest paid occupation in America. So, um, Jimmy, sales, 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 get to recruiting. Dude, you could get a VA to send a virtual assistant send messages for you. You could, when you're scrolling through Instagram for no reason at night, send 30 messages. There's your recruiting. You can talk to 14 people you know, but if you don't get your sales, you don't eat. If you don't eat, you don't survive. Why ask a bunch of people to come to your house? There ain't no food and you're starving. Then it doesn't matter. You won't be the one involved. The guy that hired me, his name is Jim Godwin. Jim would not sell. Sell on occasion, buy $300 in leads, $400 in leads, $200 in leads. I said, Jim, I'm going to tell you one time, you're gonna, I'm going to pass you because you don't work. You've got to sell life insurance, bro, and then you'll stay involved. And I said, I don't, and I didn't even know if I was going to be big, Jimmy, but I talk a lot of shit and I'm competitive. So I'm like, I'll be the biggest guy in the company. I just said that because I felt like I want to say that, right? I'm competitive. <laughs> and guess what? Jim wouldn't sell nothing because Jim was master recruiter. Jim just didn't want to work. Four months later, Jim's out of the business. We were going to spend first life. Jim's like the third phone call I get. Hey, how you doing? I'm like, who's this? Jim. I'm like, Jim who? Godwin. I'm like, Jim Godwin who? He was the guy that brought you in the insurance business. I go, oh, that sucks for you, huh? He goes, I should get back in. I go, yeah, I can put you under somebody. 
I probably would have put him under Andrew, would have been my, my guest. Andrew would have tolerated him better than I did. But then he hung up, never talked to me ever again. My point is, Jimmy, you got to go to sell. You got to get your 10 grand a week, man. You got to. Or you're watching this opportunity pass you by. It's so amazing for you. And you don't have to sell forever at a high level. But you got to sell to eat. You got to build your business. You got to be qualified to do it. And now virtual, what is the excuse? In 2013, we rented cars, got on planes, and flew to our leads. I did. I did that in 08, 9, 10, 11, 12. I mean, dude, now you can get on the phone and call people anywhere you want in the country on your schedule. If you have kids, you can do it at different time. You can do it when they're sleeping and people are awake in different time zones. It's amazing what we can do, but you got to put your mind to it. And I, I echo what you said about convention, Jimmy. That changed my life. And there's 61 of you. Must we lost anybody. Let's see. Did I lose anybody? They go down. Jim, yep. Somebody was like, I'm quitting. I don't like Sean. So I only <laughs> lost one so far, Jim. Went from 61 to 60. This is a record for me. So I'm at 60. Out of these 60 people, Jimmy, there's some people that are not going to go to convention. They want to. They're thinking about it. Guys, I, I don't make a dollar if you go or not. I got to manage more people you go. I got one more person that may have to be do something wrong that I don't want to deal with. But I know it saved my business career because I got me around people that were doing this. And I got to pick and choose what that guy said compared to what that lady said and what would work for me. So I really hope to see you all in Dallas. I really do. Well, Sean, thank you for your time. Um, You will definitely see me in Dallas. I I don't miss conventions. I don't miss lock-ins. That is what's made me a better producer is being around other people that are better than me. And I've been rising to the top because of that. And if I think if I just sat in my room and dialed, I wouldn't be very good. It just is just not going to, it would no one to rub off on. There's no one to bounce things off. There's no energy. There's none of that. When we come to the officers, a few of us that come here daily, religiously, and we have fun. We have fun selling, and when someone makes a sell, it, it brings energy in the room that makes me want to sell more or makes them want to sell more, and it builds competition. And I think that's what drives us is that competition. And, Jimmy, real quick, first of all, thank you. You did a really good job, dude, hosting this. Thank you. Not that I didn't think you'd be good, but you're just really freaking good. I interview people like a podcast. They ain't half as good as you. They suck. You're really <laughs> good, dude. I appreciate that. I mean it. Seriously, like really, really good got good tonality you're super smart um and i mean that i really do and i wouldn't say it if i didn't but to jimmy's point i'm gonna leave you with this um jimmy i got him back we went to 61 whoever nice. quit somebody he went to the bathroom it's a good day for me bro <laughs> i got them all i'm net i'm net zero right there I got 61 i'm at 61 but the office is a powerful thing and i i know that there are reasons and i echo what you said jimmy i started down the car in parking lots we didn't have an office when I got my office and I get to get around people, not in my personal production went up, we went from doing about 90, 100 a month to getting about a million dollars a month real fast. And there are people that drove four hours, four hours to the office. Wow. In four. Andrew, you got to call Betancourt and get him hired back. He's in San Diego. He's like getting his license back. Better call him up. But that cat drove four hours, one way to dial, drove four hours back twice a week. Eight hour round trip. And I would, somebody ask him and he'd be like, and he would do, we had a different culture. He'd look, he'd spin around, look at him with that big old, he looks like um, Buzz Lightyear. He'd spin around and he'd go, it's for my family. Why would I not drive eight hours for my family? And I was like, yeah, you can't argue that. Mm -hmm. Guys, some of you won't drive 20 minutes. 
And I don't care. I'm really good at being self-disciplined. But if I go to the gym and there's people there, I do more. If I go somewhere, I do more. I don't do as well alone. None of us do. So, Jimmy, you hammered it, brother. I appreciate it. Let me get on, man. You, I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to have to get you on a podcast that we can host together. Awesome, so, man. Sean, thank you. See you at convention. I'll see you guys on the other side. Let's go sell, help a bunch of families, and let's get to it. Adios. I don't know, man. That was a good one.